0: You're listening to the one-on-one football podcast, the number one podcast for Aussie rules, training, coaching, and development tips. Welcome to the one-on-one football podcast. My name is Harry Symington, and as always, I'm joined in the virtual studio by the founder of one-on-one football and my former coach, Andrew Raines. How are you, Raines?
1: Doing well, Simo. Actually, I'm in the West at the moment, just um, visiting some family here on my wife's side. So... The best thing about our virtual um, our virtual world now, mate, you can uh, record and set up anywhere, so um, looking forward to this uh, this episode, mate, and um, obviously having a chat with you.
0: Yeah, for sure, and um, today's topic we're going to um, cover off on uh, pre-season um, and off-season as well, but um, but mainly that, that pre-season, sort of um, the back end of Christmas leading into, um, into uh, round one. And um, we're going to pick pick Rainsy's brains a little bit today on um, on some of his experiences as a player and as a coach, um, and how you can I guess maximise that period, um, whether you are a player and you're and you're looking to develop your game, or if you're a coach and you might be looking for more buy in from your players. Um, so, Rainsy, I'll, I'll kick it off by asking, um, what were some of your best and worst uh, preseason memories as a, as a player?
1: Got quite a few, mate. Um, so just talking off air before about um, some of the the things that have sort of uh, been in in my career, and obviously as a player and a coach, as you said before, and the pre seasons that come with that, it's always a, an interesting time. But one of the big things about pre season, I talked to a lot of my former teammates about this, is that it's it's actually a great time of year. It's summer usually, or it's you know the start of start of it's usually sometimes spring, but usually it's throughout the summer. Um, you fit, you got a tan, sun's out. Um, or if you're in Queensland, sometimes it's the rainy season, but it's hot, it's warm, and and it's a it's a fresh sort of feel in the year. Everyone's looking forward to the year, um, and you you know you're in really good nick. You can get a lot of uh, miles in your legs, you can get a lot of uh, gains in the gym, things like that, which will will cover off on. But that's um, that's that was the big one for sort of me. It was, it was a fresh start. Uh, it's not only t- it's not until you sort of get to about sort of February March you caught sort of dancing with your sister a bit. You're uh, you sort of get si- you get sick of uh, playing the intra clubs games and matching against each each other and you just want to get out there and play yeah. so it's got a really good start um and a feel through that middle sort of period of pre-season and everyone's up and about and, and feeling good so my sort of memories um of preseasons are usually fairly fond um obviously the hard work the miles you put and the gains you get out of it is um is incredible um some amazing trips i went over to uh arizona and, and did the altitude training at the lions um over there the high altitude training in, in northern arizona and that we did that sort of for two or three years which is an incredible experience in itself and i'll probably delve a bit more into that but um and also to some early days at some old school sort of um activities or exercises in running at richmond we used to get up to too so it was um yeah some incredible experiences, some hard work, um, blood, sweat, and tears at the time. You, you sort of uh you sort of dread some of the time trials or the exercises or or um or things that you're doing, but you look back at it and think um you know it sets you up not only as a football but as a person too to to push through and and to um and to realise a bit of a self achievement at the end of it.
0: Yeah, I like your um I like your take on it. I guess you, the, the way I think of preseason, there's like a it's like a fork in the road you can either take the mentality of oh it's going to be hard it's going to be a grind you know the, the training sessions are unpleasant but if you look at it as also an opportunity to develop yourself then you know pre-season off-season is, is a great thing and um, as you mentioned with with some of your experiences if if you look back on your pre-seasons and you've got fond memories of and a feeling of there's an opportunity here especially when you know your competition might be sort of mm. relaxing or um not doing the same amount of work as you are, then it's, you can look at it really fondly or I can just sort of either choose one mindset it's an opportunity mm. to develop or, oh, here we go, it's another preseason.
1: Absolutely. I think also too, is my, my, personally speaking, I don't know a lot of other footballers and, and even coaches for that example, um, around the preseason, the most successful ones you've had or the most um, compliant in terms of the amount of sessions you're getting over the summer are the most successful um, years that you have and that's I've got no doubt about that and that and that sort of for me as a player was huge. If I had a pretty good pre season or, or a big pre season, likely I'd go on a pretty good year. Um, if I didn't, I had some injury interruptions. I didn't miss too many pre-seasons but the ones that I did, I remember when I first got to Brisbane and I was coming off a, a pretty significant knee surgery and I had twelve weeks off completely running as soon as I got to Brisbane. Um, and it was a new team, new teammates, new environment and I, I couldn't really get up and running until sort of till March and it, it really did sort of cost me the back end of that year. Had a reasonable start to the year, but the back end cost me. Just didn't have the miles in the legs, and and um and and there's reasons why we do do, do pre seasons.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I guess the stringing pre seasons together is no doubt important as well. You probably can't go from not doing, like you know, if you're a junior footballer, you can't go from doing no pre season sorry, to doing an AFL pre season. I guess um, did you ever did you ever try and do too much in one pre season? and look back and think, um, hang on, I could have been smarter about how I trained and focused instead of doing it all in one preseason on sort of distributing that workload and, as you said, the, the kilometers in your legs.
1: Um, yeah, probably not to my own fault. I think it was, um, again, not blaming others, but it was just the way it happened. At Richmond, when I first got there as a 17, 18-year-old, I was nowhere near ready for a full pre-season. My first session, my first ever AFL pre-season session was down at Sandringham. Um, back then at Richmond, we couldn't train at Punt Road because of the cricket pitch, um, and I would rock up as a, a young sort of Gold Coast um, boy uh, man, and uh, and get given the the apparel. You jump on, you meet your teammates, go out, do your first um, skill session, and then the back end it was old school is always: do your skills and then running at the back end. Um, and it was it was I think it was eight eight hundreds. And then Wayne Campbell, who was my um, uh, former captain uh, of the Tigers, um, Wayne. Someone went, someone hit one of the markers um, or the, the cones set up, and he said um, at the time I think Brisbane came off their third premiership or second premiership, and he said, "Would Simon Black or Michael Voss um, hit that cone or Nigel Lappin?" Um, and, and the boy said no, and he said, "Well." We did it, and it's not good enough. If it's good enough for them, then we should be. Um, we should not be doing it. So we did another eight hundred, and I forget it, it was about. You know, I think it was around sort of nine eight hundreds. It was just crazy. I forget. I don't know the exact time we're running him on or, or reps and things like that. Um, in terms of, um, you know, every sort of it was off every three or four minutes we're doing it, but it was brutal. And that was my first um pre-season. um, and not only that. or oh, sorry, first pre pre-season session. Then not only that, um, we went to. A boxing session straight afterwards back at the club for the first year players, so they were trying to get actually more into our first year players than some of the older boys, but it's sort of I noticed as I yeah, it was really interesting and then notice obviously towards the mid middle part of my career and now back end and, and now coaching it, the first yearers get pretty looked up pretty well looked after they're trying to really take care of them and nurse them through. so I did a full preseason, my first preseason at Richmond, and did probably more than um, the senior players. Um, but I found that cost me in my second pre-season. I think I got um, significant groin pain in my second season. It was boring on oste- osteitis pubis, what they call it, the inflammation of the pubic bone and the groin. Yep. So I'd, I'd, I was able not to get affected as much as some people that do get OP, but um, it definitely did affect me in my second year. I reckon that was probably going a bit too hard in that first year. So again, no fault of anyone's, it's just the way they did it, but um, that, was, um, that was sort of a... A significant sort of moment of me going okay well how do we um you know manage that moving forward making sure i'm not doing too too much but conversely <clears throat> remember when i was 24 25 at brisbane and i could actually go and have an off season and get some gains in the off season knowing that um you know i had four to six five six pre-seasons under my belt and i could able get able to cope with the um with uh, the rigorous um you know conditioning sessions of of, of a pre-season yeah, absolutely, and I guess it's a um,
0: you've got to look at it uh, from an individual perspective. There's going to be some players that, ma- especially around that draft age, there's going to be some players that mature earlier and can probably handle more. And trying to hold them back is probably detrimental in the in the long run. Whereas there's going to be other players that um that probably do need that two three pre seasons before they can start um really ramping it up. And I think um, uh, Jamarri Eugel- Hagen's probably a good example of that. We know what he's going to be like in the future. Um, and the doggies probably could have tried to rush to get him to play this year um but uh, you know i think i think for a player of his stature and and, you know everyone's got a different growth rate it's probably a a, um a wise decision to sort of let him um build his pre-seasons in in, in, as as he naturally will now mate we we talk about um running load and 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 loading the gym um and it's it's associated with Preseason and off-season all the time. Um, but why is it also important to keep your skills going in the in the pre-season, particularly like your kicking load, for um, uh, for example?
1: Yeah, it's a big one. Um, and coaches pull their hair out when a player comes back for the first session after a break and pings their quad. I've seen them many, many a time. Um, and it's usually the guys that haven't done the work or the, the kicking. So it's really important you do in the off-season have a football with you and try and get that kicking load in. What happens, again, I'm no... Um, a sports scientist mate and you probably know a bit more than me around the sort of conditioning element but um from layman's terms is that yeah you have less kicks um in your quads and you go away from not doing as, as many as you used to and then you ramp up and have 50 kicks your first session back or 100 kicks and you've only been used to having sort of five five to ten or, or none at all uh, for a couple of weeks and um, obviously you put a huge load on on your quads and um, yeah, usually get a bit of a ping and, and, you, and it obviously sets um, suppliers back. You know, quads are never good injuries to have. No no injuries great, but um, they're a really important uh, muscle to your body and, um, you know, you can't kick or you can't run for a couple of weeks, obviously it's going to set you back. So I've seen that happen many times, so it's important to obviously go away in the off-season um, and obviously during the pre-season when you've got <clears throat> little breaks um, to keep your kicking load going because obviously it's um, really important
0: yeah absolutely i reckon it's the um it's always the spikes in load that i guess um the tissue can't handle so you you know just because you can handle let's say it's 200 kicks a week in season if you then drop that down to zero for a month over christmas and then try and go straight back into 200 again well then there's a huge spike whereas and that's where the problems occur right but if you if you can just maintain you know let's say it's 50 kicks 50 kicks a week over christmas then the spikes going to be smaller and especially if you're smart with how you reload it as well you don't go straight from 50 to 200 you go 50 this week next week's going to be 100 you know you and you you make it a gradual increase again um then you're avoiding the spikes and i reckon it's probably more important to maintain some level of kicking than it is to um uh i guess rest from it as well it probably goes twofold
1: absolutely and i think um the other ones, just just your dedication towards, especially if you're going away, and everyone understands if you go on holidays or whatever, and you're with your family, or you can't quite get um, your usual training set up with teammates and have a kick. Um, actually, we've got some some pretty good stuff in our online programs. We actually can do some stuff on your own, so. Check those out if you if you're looking to sort of get some exercise and some drills on your own, especially when you're traveling. The other one too is packing your footy everywhere you go. So deflate it on the plane. I think some of the Sharons these days do have capability to just keep them pumped up in your in your suitcase. But I used to sort of deflate a footy, take a little mobile pump with me. I used to take that everywhere, even overseas trips. I remember one year in um, coming back from it was my knee injury, and I was one year I was coming I was travelling in Paris with my wife, my girlfriend back then, but um and she i said i oh, can't come down and kick with me i need to get my quads keep them going especially all the injuries that i had um i want to make sure that my quads were right when i head back so we went down to a park in in uh in in paris somewhere and i'll never forget it um i left the footy i think i had a kick um kicking myself kicked a bit with her and then i left the footy as a marker um to finish up my running and i remember looking it might have been 100 metres, um, the markers that I set out are 100 steps. And I was back up one end and the footy was down the other end and this French person was in the park walking their dog and they've looked at the the footy scene, the most bizarre looking thing. They thought it was... They didn't know to go too close or away from it. They didn't, they'd never seen anything like it. Obviously, it was a, a, a weird shape um, football from what they're used to seeing and a leather one at that and uh, and and I had to sort of run run down the other end explain it was an Australian football. So... There's some of the things and the measures you go to as an uh, as a elite athlete to um to keep yourself conditioned in good Nick.
0: That's gold. How's um how's Elisa's
1: kicking technique? She's not bad. Um she reckons she's Andy dextrous so it'd be interesting to see if she's on Acker's level, uh, left and right foot, because she didn't know what leg she kicked off and she was actually not too bad. A Bit of feedback on the um on the uh, drop punch she tends to go instead of the back spin, she goes the forward spin a bit, but not too yep, bad. Yep.
0: That's right, mate. A couple of ball drop drills and she'll be right. right. We've got plenty of them on the <laughs> online programs as well. We'll put the uh, the link in the show notes. Um, now, you're talking about the Christmas break, Ranzi, and uh, sorry, the, the off-season break over Christmas, obviously. Um, the And you went to France um, one year. But if you're not, um, let's say you're not overseas, what were some of your go-to um, activities to take your mind off footy you know, during that break?
1: Yeah, really important. Again, probably... I'll answer your question shortly, but just in, into into that doing your, your work, it's obviously important. Even if you are having a bit of a freshen up, do your work. I used to, always stress my applies as a coach too. Now is to do your work early in the morning. So if you get up and do your program, whatever you got, do that first thing in the morning because then you've got the rest of the day to enjoy yourself. It's never it's and I've been there before. You ended up either not doing it all, or you do it to not the quite right intensity that you plan to do it is if you do it in the afternoon or late in the evening especially when you you know especially around Christmas time when you're enjoying time with family and friends um but uh to answer your questions I used to try and um you know just do the you know have a hit of golf um you know surf whatever it is to sort of keep your, your mind fresh and do those activities that you that you um that you you like to do during the season but you probably just don't have the time so making sure you're cashing in on that and and just staying fresh. I know a lot of the boys these days like basketball and, um, you know, hit a tennis or whatever it is, just to keep yourself sort of going and, and and sort of immerse yourself in those different sports, obviously without getting injured. But I think it is important, too, to sort of freshen up the mind and, and play some other sports, too, along the way.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I like that advice as well on uh, all the different things you mentioned. We're, we're still staying active. Like, I don't think you're. You want to necessarily go and become housebound? Um, there's, I mean, footy players by nature are probably going to be more active. But um, if your if your normal activity is playing footy, then you know you don't have to keep that going. You might be able to, like I say, go surfing, play golf, or something, and you're keeping active. That's enough to, um, I guess, tick that box. But I, I like what you said about um, about the morning routine. I think if you um, if you want the license to sort of from yourself so a bit of a self-licence to to really enjoy yourself over the break it doesn't hurt to put in some hours early um and the odds are that's going to be the same sort of routine when you get back to the club in an afl system anyway um you're going to have to get back into an early morning routine um what for those that aren't familiar with an afl uh a a typical week in an afl preseason, how early do they start um what's the what what are the those first two weeks i guess look like uh, coming back after christmas
1: um yeah it's sort of obviously the I think most clubs now do three main sessions a week so monday wednesday friday um we used to do a saturday morning running session when i first started so they're just up more yeah, it's it's just you look back and then obviously i think now is and you know, more is less or less is more whatever the the same yep. yeah less is more um and but back then they yeah it used to be sort of more 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 um but i think the afl players association stepped in and and ensure the players had their sort of weekends off, or, or um, if they did train on a Saturday, then they'd have a Wednesday off or a Thursday off or whatever. So, usually three main sessions, footy and conditioning, and then there's those two days, whether it's, let's say, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday would be a, you know, weights, cross training, meetings, things like that. So, they're, they're pretty jam packed, um, and and that's sort of how their the, the sort of pre season schedule is sort of set up. It changes a bit after Christmas, they go into more, um, you know, match sim and things like that, and, and it's similar. So the, the running probably just drops off a bit. They're so fit these days, the players. They're so professional. They do actually a lot of it in their off-season. They're running and things like that, so when they get back, they actually want to attack more of the footies where, again, a bit old school, but coming back, again, I was probably the back end of it, but coming back pre-Christmas, you wouldn't touch many footies. Oh, you, you'd touch them, but it was more footballs post-Christmas, which is obvious, but um, I think now it's as soon as you're back in sort of that November Um, period that the footies are straight out Um, they usually get a couple two to three week break over Christmas and then attack it um, sort of mid-January you get back into it Um, and then before you know it it's it's practice games around the corner so it does even though they do sound long the pre-seasons they come around pretty quick um, in terms of the season comes around pretty quick but I think the players get a really good break these days and I think they should but again some of my memories early days at Richmond I was starting to come back sort of mid-October the first to four-year players mid, mid to late yeah. October which was crazy thinking back on it and you don't know, play all sort of you know mid-Feb um, practice games or March so it's it's a long summer um, but again mm. the same time too is you, you're fit and you're young and you want to keep training so it's all part of remember one pre in Richmond too they um, they got us actually back so you get your eight, eight week break two months off um, and they get us back on week four week five for a um, botanical gardens test the the tan time trial, the infamous tan time trial, and a skin folds test. And I think, yep, again, yep. the players push hard for for, for the clubs not to be able to do that. They're trying to keep tabs on the players. So, again, I think there's a lot more trust in the players these days and it's it's a tiny bit. It's probably more intense um, pre-season in terms of their probably their football load because, as we know now, that the games are so intense and frenetic um, the way they go about it. But it's probably less in terms of months. Um, if that sort of sure. answers the question, mate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about um, that post-Christmas um, block shortly. But before we do that, um, you mentioned the tan run and the skin folds. Uh, the skin folds have been taken out of the draft combine, I think. Um, heard yeah, I saw that. A couple of weeks ago. What are, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, yeah, I, it's it's a mix, that one. I think it is a good sort of benchmark to have um, and sort of see where you can sort of pick up um, anything on, on a player's sort of body composition to improve and it's good to have a bit of a, a yep. sort of a guideline. But... Again, we used to stress ourselves out. Ask my wife about it, and um, and my family or whatever. You pinching yourself at Christmas time, worrying how much Christmas pudding you're having because you think you're gonna, um, you know, put on the extra kilos or or some skin skinfold. I was pretty fortunate. I probably wasn't a Ben cousin to the world or some of the players I played with. That it, it just you could they could eat anything and they're still ripped. Um, but at the same time, too, is I sort of did. I could sort of eat a fair bit and and, and and drink a bit and and not sort of put on too much. But um, you yep. always were a bit paranoid um, around that, so that so from the psychological point of view, I think they're not great because they do put a lot of pressure on. Because if your skin folds are five millimeters over, but you're running good time trials and and things like that, I had a good teammate of mine, jolly patful who you know, I hope he doesn't mind me saying that um, he was probably always on the mid to high side of the skin folds, yep. um, and he used to stress himself out about it and try and get him down, but he'd be our a, a best runner. A, probably a top three runner and then he won yep. you know sort of two back to back sorry back to back best and fairest at, at Brisbane the years that I was playing with him and he used to stress himself out about having high skin folds and so there's an example yeah. I think that we can take it a bit too sort of serious but I think they're okay in in, in periods um, where you can sort of get them out and, and give the players a bit of a test
0: yeah for sure I think um, I mean there's there's DEXA scans and whatnot these days as well they're going to probably give more accurate data on muscle mass and and, and fat mass and the distribution of that as well but um like you said it's probably a good opportunity to shift the focus if you're spending your whole pre worrying about your skin folds that's a opportunity that you could be worrying about your or working towards your skills or your fitness or something and if you if your diet's good and your training habits are elite i think the skin folds are probably something Very that uh, that take a back seat in in mm-hmm. that sense um no, you've got some excellent players that, that might naturally be have higher skin folds but they've you know, they've, they've got strength in other areas. Um, in saying that, professional athletes, you expect a certain level of engagement nutritionally. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, yeah, you're exactly right. There's probably other ways that we can um, that we can achieve those goals. Um, just before, just to backtrack a little bit. So you're talking about the pre-Christmas block of off-season being more, you're loading your legs, you're gut running, all, all, um, all, the, all the sessions that we typically hate. And then post-Christmas, it was more match simulation. It, I guess you can do all the kicking you want separately, all the straight line running you want separately. You can get as fit and as strong as you want in the gym, out in the track. But then when you make that jump from training, let's say, into match play where you're doing contested drills, you're hitting bodies, you're changing direction, you're responding to players and um, and a really chaotic environment. How can you, I guess, prepare for that first match simulation session to ensure that you're not... Um, in your panic zone when you when you go straight from you know running by yourself over christmas with your headphones in to to match
1: simulation well it's a hard one to simulate anything um in in that christmas sort of period when you when you when you're not do, when you're probably on your own and you're not doing as much with your teammates but it's probably that pre Christmas period I think where the players are onto it now and they actually do um some drills straight out like I was looking the other day at the suns um and they were doing some pretty good you know sort of intense drills early in pre-season sort of like, geez that's that's early to be doing that but there's a reason why i think what you're alluding to too it's conditioning and not only now i think again the old school mentality but conditioning yourself in the gym conditioning yourself with your skills and conditioning yourself with your running i think there's an element of conditioning yourself for body contact and again they're always thinking about it but it's just a lot earlier these days so um in answer to your question i think um Getting it in as early as you can, so coaches um, take note of that. It's a really important one. Again, it's a it's a fine line. You don't want to get them back day one, and you, and especially with um you know community level clubs or junior junior clubs or you know even senior senior community clubs that are sort of not full time athletes um, to build into it. Um, you know do a bit more running first, and 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 uh, and their kicking and things like that, just getting their body back into shape. But I'll probably just tackle on or tack on a couple of little um you know, sort of contested drills just to get their bodies into it, whether it's just a basic sort of tackle drill where you're just grappling or you're just starting to get some body contact, then the next week you, you sort of spread that out a bit more and you go two-on-two two two tra- tackling drill and then you might go, you know, four-on-five four on, four on five or whatever it is and, and you build your way of that. Before you know it, you're sort of doing handball gains with a bit of tackling and then you can start to, to sort of build that into your kicking, um, sort of keepings off sort of gains with some contact and then before you know it, you're um you, you're doing some match
0: yeah absolutely and i guess the um it's also important to make sure that you're you get used to kicking um from from a skills perspective getting used to actually kicking to players not just kicking mm. to a pole or kicking to a marker that you've set up it's obviously important to do your craft in your own time and build that base but there's maybe there's a a, a linking stage that sometimes gets overlooked where you'd, you you know you're marking a footy that you're kicking up yourself mm. um do you reckon it's worth so obviously here at the platform we've got we've got we've got coaches that can help with that but maybe small group sessions with a coach um could be a nice way to sort of fill that gap where you go from training by yourself or you know headphones in doing your own work into but before you reach match sim um find some mates source a coach and, and try and do like a, a small group session maybe
1: yeah absolutely i think there's there's a sort of we always talk about it don't we just a time to be able to spend as an individual footballer and then there's time to be spent as a, a team footballer and to to sort of um, simulate um, that type of environment. So I think that's really important.
0: I think there's, you know, it's not like one is better than the other, but it's important to be smart about what type of drills you're implementing when there's probably a time and place for everything. Um, talking about um, the focus of those drills. So uh, we speak a lot on the podcast, there's a real common theme that it's important to work on your strengths as well as your weaknesses. Um, could you just elaborate on that for, uh, for the listeners Rainsy on um, on where their focus should be. Is it um, you start with your strengths, then work your weaknesses? Do you do them all the, all the time, um, every session? Um, do you sit down and come up with a development plan? What What would your advice be to someone about to go into preseason, um, wanting to know where they should direct their focus?
1: Yeah, we well, definitely obviously reassessing the year they've had, and then and then moving on to to the year ahead. Um, and obviously, we talk a fair bit about those goals and actioning them, and and actually having a, a proper outcome um along the way um I think that pre-season you've got a lot of time and more time because there's something about pre-season that you it's it's as hard it feels like it's mentally harder than sorry it feels like it's physically harder than the season but in reality it's probably not because you add the mental fatigue in during the season with the stress um, of playing and you know backing it up week in week out things like that so you're, you're a tiny bit sort of a Double edged sword a bit, but you, you sort of you're time a bit fresher. Um, or you're more time, you've got more time to do those extras in the pre season. I think the biggest gains are made, and the, there's no question about it, the biggest gains are made in the pre season because in season you're constantly recovering and ticking over. You ask any footballer coach, whatever, you're doing less sessions in the pre season. Oh, sorry, you're doing less sessions in the season than you are in the pre season. So, my answer to that is focus on your weapons definitely. So, if it's your kicking. Or your skills, and that's what you think is yeah. Keep attacking and doing doing more on your opposite, whatever it is, to keep keep that going, keep on top of that. But then invest into your um into your, your areas for improvement in, the, in your deficiencies, because because I think you can get a lot more and a lot more gains from that in the preseason. So again, let's use kicking. Let's say this time it's your weakness. I guarantee if you did more sessions kicking in the in the summer months over. Um, the, you know, someone picks you up in the season in the middle of winter and June, you go, oh, you've got to work on your kicking. Well, you can get better at it and you can focus on it. But you're obviously going to have less time to, to work on it. So that's probably my sort of advice um, about, you know, the importance of pre-season, how, how you can just get huge gains through that period because, again, you, you've got no weekend games. You're pulling up better on a Monday. You can get more into your body. And I think it's a huge, huge opportunity for players to to uh, reap the rewards in the pre-season
0: yeah it's a real growth period isn't it there's there's less um dilution on training sessions there's less restrictions on you know know, obviously you don't have to get as you mentioned you have to get fresh for a game so you probably got a chance to sort of go a little bit deeper in the well um you mentioned that you'd sort of start by reflecting on the year that you had um and sort of let that be not a catalyst but i guess um help decide what you're going to structure your pre-season around did you during your afl career did you have a did you have someone that you would regularly sit down with and discuss the or like maybe have a um, like an end of year meeting were there, were there any coaches that you were particularly close with that you would review the year with and then come up with a plan
1: usually your line coach at each club um again without sort of mentioning too many names but yeah d- the um the yeah line coach obviously senior coach which you look up most most up to know early years with terry wallace um had some he actually said to me one pre-season uh, one, it was my second year as a 19-year-old and, and Terry said to me, I don't know if I've covered this on the podcast before in my earlier interviews, but he said to me, you're elite, you're not elite at AFL level. I was only 19, but he's obviously putting the heat on me to get a, a sort of a, a spot. And he said to me, um, yeah, you're not elite at AFL level in any area. And the four main areas I think were speed, endurance, skills and toughness. Um, so I went away and I said, well, how can I get a lead in in, area, in in some areas? And my speed was pretty good as a, a junior athlete sort of coming through. But then I, I did some sp- sprint training, um, got better at that, got my times. And that pre-season really worked on that, became sort of top five. in the, in we, we had a speed test back then. Not as quick as our good mate, Brett Delidio, but um, not too far off him. They um, no, always had, had me covered. Um, and then my endurance picked up. Again, I was sort of middle to back as a young fella and then I pushed up to sort of mid to front um and then my skills you know sort of put a lot of work in my kicking um and decision making and then my um and my, my courage and toughness uh, was something I really pride myself on and I remember having a discussion I had my breakout year the next year and he said you know out of those sort of four categories he said you sort of you've pretty much ticked sort of three three out of four of them in that elite category and that's hence why you've had the year you had so that was that was that's probably really really a story or, or a mentor or a coach that sort of hits home um and he again, he didn't be around the bush and sort of challenge me in those areas, and I sort of took it on board and and went and did it. So that's the that's the time to do it. It was just sort of the off season meeting going to that pre-season. I remember it was one of the biggest sort of pre-seasons I had, and hence hence the um, the breakout year I had in in two thousand six, a long time ago now.
0: Yeah, for sure. And did you so you had maybe four or five? Uh, sorry, four areas was it?
1: Four areas. Four is sort of focus on. There's obviously more. I think we, yep. we go through IDPs. I've done with you before these days. Individual development plans. It's five yep. key categories to be an AFL player, or, or we sort of got to be, and it's skills, um, decision making like skills, tactical, technical. So split into two. Yep. Um, that's around your game yep. sense and things like. Then obviously your physical physical stuff. Um, and then um, your mental stuff, um, which sort of covers off. So four or five key areas, and that's that's sort of discussions I had.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we've got a um, we've got a great template um, on uh, player development plans uh, that Josh Fraser presented at the um, Footy IQ online masterclass. So if you're interested in having a look at what those um, what one of those documents might look at, um, jump on our website, uh, click on the e-shop, and you'll be able to find it um, up there. So just to um, before we move on Randy, you mentioned that so you had four categories that you wanted to work on um and by the end of that season you had um three that you drastically improved was that a process of take it one at a time and segment I want to do my kicking this month next month's going to be toughness or did you focus on um I guess a more holistic approach where you did did um bits of everything at the same time
1: yeah well it's probably bits of everything at the same time I think the three, yeah. I probably just have I done my speed that session yeah I've done that uh, or that like if you break it down to a week I've, I've done my speed ticked that off I've done my skills toughness is a, a hard measure to sort of to have or or your sort of your courage or toughness that category mental mental toughness um, but obviously you're grinding yourself through the process and so you're building on that and then obviously the endurance element or um, you know sort of physicality so um, yeah I'll tick most of them off each week
0: yeah yeah awesome and so um you mentioned earlier some of the experiences that you had in preseason, uh, coming from a, a draftee into the AFL system. Um, obviously, you had a, 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 a long career in in the system across different clubs. What are some of your most vivid memories of anything to do with preseason? Um, sort of after that that, that initial draft year.
1: Yeah, well, I mentioned the 800s. they probably go down as one of the hardest sessions we had. Um, and it's actually, it actually was a double whammy that day I spoke about the going back to the club and doing boxing. We actually, my good mate of mine and, and fellow draftee, Tom Roach, um, at the time, we, were, we were, I think we there was a 2 o'clock session after the 800s. We got back at Punt Road. It was a 2 o'clock boxing session. And as you do when you're young. You just don't realise the importance of time or um punctuality, I think we're one minute to two or right on two o'clock, we walk through the gym and all the older bikes are staring at us going, oh, shit, they're late. And I'll never forget it, we had um, punishment and we had 10 rounds, I think it was 10, two, one and a half, 90 second rounds um, where we had to just protect ourselves and the senior players were laying into us. Don't know if that had happened I'm these kidding. days, but that was the most sort of daunting Session ahead of it. So that was a double whammy that day. Never forget that. Um, just a brawl. Yeah, as punishment. pretty much. Just got punished. <laughs> um, there were some yeah, brutal running sessions in um, Arizona, the, the altitude camp that I was sort of speaking about for. That was uh, yep. some of the best memories of my football were, were done over there in terms of um, I got to a point where I was nearly sort of 8 to 10 pre-seasons in and I needed the mental freshen up. I was sort of getting to November, December. as the same sort yeah. of thing. Or a young bike, yeah, you know, could be at the club every day, and you sort of don't get sick of it. You don't get probably not the word for it, but it's sort of more mental freshen up. And going overseas to train yeah. was just incredible. It's a great idea and great concept by the AFL yeah. or the club at the time at Brisbane. Um, and so that was so that was a club trip, yeah, club trip. But the first early days, the early days of that, they, I think Collingwood used to, I think they pioneered it. And yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And then I think the line sort of go, okay, what's this all about? We'll send eight to 10 of our senior players over. So I think we went, uh, or it might've been a bit more, maybe 12 to 14 of the sort of older brigade. And I was sort of that mid sort of older tier. And we went and it was incredible. Yeah. Um, and then the next year the whole club came, um, which, which was really good. But I'll just remember some of the run it. So at the same time, most incredible experience. And, and it was yeah really good to freshen me up and, and get so fit. Um, but some of the hardest, most brutal sessions, and I was my running at the time was pretty good. I was probably in the top sort of echelon for for, for the running group. And there's was one day I don't know what happened, and we we laugh about it. It was um I I nearly couldn't complete the. It was back to back these rolling 300s. So it was essentially three hundred sprint, hundred jog, fifty walk, or whatever. And you're back to the start, and you just go through and just keep doing it. And it was. Monotonous, tough, but just something about the lactate in the in the lactic acid with the altitude. I just remember something whether I didn't have enough hydration that morning or whatever, and I nearly fainted. I had to go to the back running group with the with the slow blokes and a few of the boys laughing at the time, saying the um something must have been in the air that morning. Um, because I remember that sort of yeah hit me pretty hard, and that was probably one of the most grueling sessions I've ever done. Just the altitude hit me, and um, yeah, I'll never forget that.
0: Yeah, sure. I guess there's um there's there's a wide world out there i mean obviously with COVID, the travel is restricted but there's a there's a wide world of resources and other sports and other teams and other countries that you can probably learn off um whether it's physical like altitude training or or mental you know um, you see the Hawthorne footy club i was a hawks fan growing up I always have the kokoda trip where i think everyone on their list for a few years completed the kokoda trail in the preseason, and like that was built around their probably group bonding but also a bit of mental toughness individually as well i reckon looking for an opportunity there to you know, it doesn't have if, if you can't travel overseas you might be on a family trip <clears throat> visiting relatives in another state like it's an opportunity to try and reach out and maybe train with someone or at a facility that you might not have had access to before i know on the platform we've got um you know some excellent coaches all around the country but they've probably got a high density down in melbourne if you're in a trip in Melbourne, maybe yeah. connect with one of those coaches and have a session Absolutely. with someone that you you probably can't in your during the week.
1: I think changing the environment's the critical thing. You know, there just to be able to change it up and yeah. mentally stimulate you, but also mentally sort of freshen you up. And um, you know, I think as you said before, there's been many things that clubs have done. I um, know exactly on the speaking about the altitude camps, we also did those um, SAS type of camps too, and they were just. Most incredible thing I've ever done, too, and most hardest, like the hardest thing I've done, too. Mm. So it's the same time, too, challenge and reward. So, um, yeah, think it's wise to mix it up. Yeah, for sure.
0: So important, so important. Now that sort of covers off our um, uh, preseason from a footballer's perspective, um, but I want to tap into your coaching knowledge as well um, before we finish up the episode. So, as a coach, what are some maybe tips or tricks that you could share um, to help keep a co- keep our coaches players engaged over that off season break if they're probably inexperienced and, um, and and don't know how to handle that break. How can you really get engagement from your players?
1: Oh, obviously, I think you'd probably these days set up you know sort of online chats, things like that. People can record their scores or their times and things to keep them engaged. I know we've done that before um, in the academy or um, and, and me as a coach um, throughout my journey um, of, of giving players challenges. Um, you link him up with another teammate so they can do their running all skills together just to keep each other sort of going like a buddy system Um, there's different ways you can sort of keep them engaged but at the end of the day it comes back to the professional I think we talk about the man in the stand a bit or the person in the stand and I think that's um, so relevant in terms of having time away from the from the football club or or from your program Um, professional or non-professional I think that you know the ones that actually want to do the work will do the work and I think um, you know you sort of there's no no uh no qualms about it and it's 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 definitely not a surprise when a player comes back in great shape and they have the year they have so i think that's really important from a from a coach's point of view to to be able to challenge your players but sometimes too you might be um as much as you you're trying to you know sort of lay down the, the law or the rules sometimes i think um you know it's up to them at the end of the day
0: yeah absolutely i think that's a good that's a good. Um... Attitude. You you want to give them a framework so they've got something there if they're looking for a a training session. But you also want to give them the chance to, um, yeah, I guess source their own sort of variation over the off season. It's 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 always a balancing act, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, also too. What comes of that is to, yeah, the, the onus of players to actually want to do the work and, and get themselves in, in, in good shape and yep. coach not tearing the hair out that players aren't doing and micromanaging it. But I think, again, as I said before, I think players are so much better at these days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, to to wrap things up, Renzi, I might, um, in, a, in a very broad sense, what are some common mistakes you see? Um, whether it's coaches or players, what are some common mistakes that you see in the off season um, from anyone, any facet of training or, um, or or life? What are some common mistakes that you see?
1: Oh, players for starting, we touched about it before, just not doing the conditioning element of whether it's uh, skills, um, gym work, physical stuff or, um or or their um or their game based sort of stuff over, over the break. Um, I think that's really important um, to to make sure that they're. It's for engaged in a sense that they're, they're doing the work, but also too I've seen some huge mistakes that people just haven't done the work. Simple as that. Coaches, um, whether they're going too hard with their program too early or, to, or not, not hard at all um, and, and miss out later on down the track, I think that's really important to make sure that you've got a program as a coach that you want to map out from the start of pre-season to the end of pre-season and how you want to sort of build that, whether you have, again... A bit of the old school theory of the red, what is it, the green, orange, red weeks. So um, you're having a, a green as a light week and orange as a, as a sort of a medium week and then a, a really hard week to your red weeks and sort of that tiered process, a periodic sort of map of your, of your pre-season. So you might want to sort of plan that out. Um, and if you've got a strength conditioning coach, obviously that helps. But if you're a coach on your own, I'll well, definitely sort of follow that advice about having some sort of, you know, sort of different... Weeks and build, build up to weeks and as you do that. You don't want to just have four red weeks or, or four green weeks or you know sort of four orange weeks in a row. You want to be able to sort of mix that up with your conditioning element and, and your skills. Um, I would say too now with the team element of pre-season, um, you know, as you said, the, the, the games come out a bit earlier these days and making sure you're getting that sort of competitive contact stuff on early, but make sure you train everything around your pre, uh, your game plan. Um, you know, there's no point doing drills and and running sessions. And if you want to be a fitter team, um, you want to be a. Um, if you think your team needs to be fitter or better running group, there's no point. Um, you know, sort of doing too much in the gym and and shorter running spurts. You look at more of that sort of speed endurance element in your in your training. How you want to be able to, if you want to be the best running team, or maybe you do push the edge of of doing more running sessions. If you want to be the strongest team, the most contested team will. Do you do a bit more gym session, a bit more contested drill? So really trying to identify what your weapons are of your team as a coach I'm talking about, and then map that out in your program. And as a player, identify what you want to be as a player. And if you want to be the quickest, the best running player outside, let's say you're an outside winger, will you be going to focus more on that in your preseason? There's no point going and lifting too many weights, being a, a sort of an outside, outside running player. So again, focusing on we say it all the time, but what you want to be, um, you know, known as, and then go away and train that and map that out in, in, in your training program across the summer. Yeah, for
0: sure, it's a it's a great um, a great process. I guess identify the goals, which gives you direction, and then um, come up with your systems and your and your training sessions that are going to help you move um, toward that goal. Mate, before we finish up, did you ever train on Christmas morning? Did uh, like I can't remember who told me once, but it might have been Joey Hayes. Um, Used to say train on Christmas morning because you know that all your competition's not, and that used to give that used to give me like a little bit of confidence, I guess, knowing that I trained on Christmas. Did you ever? Yeah, I did.
1: I, I was actually, I was actually thinking of that before. It's a bit of an old um. I think I actually heard, well, not a cliche, because people actually do they do use the topic of you train on Christmas morning or New Year's morning, whatever it is, um, and. And you get you know you know that it just gives you that bit more ammo. Going okay, I know everyone else has been better. I'm doing it. yeah, I have done it to answer your question. Maybe not every Christmas morning, but I think I used to try and do uh, Christmas morning, New Year's. He might give myself New Year's day off always, but I'm or, or and then I, yeah sorry, then I used to yeah sorry later in my career I used to actually get up and actually do something on New Year's morning knowing. Like I do a hike or something like that with my wife, and knowing to start the year off in a really good direction, I think it's a really good one too. You know, a lot of people, um, adults, are uh, probably had a big night the night before and getting up and, and making the most. So I think there's something in that. Um, and again, as an athlete, I think training when no one else is training is a, is nothing better than that. But yeah, definitely I've picked some days there throughout that Christmas break where I've done it and uh, I've walked away really confident and sort of um, you know keeping that up his sleeve and a bit of ammo
0: yeah for sure and that probably um brings us full circle doesn't it talking about the mentality of preseason, are you going into it with the mindset of really not looking forward to the running i can't i can't wait till this is over so we can get into into skills or are you looking at it as an opportunity i think if you've got the mentality that pre-season or off-season is an opportunity then those little things training on christmas morning or um or doing a session when um or you know really searching for resources to improve your game i think they will happen naturally if um If you attack it with the mentality of it's an opportunity not a not not a burden or um something that you're forced to do Um, i think it it all comes back to mentality
1: one last one for a go we go mate i think the big one for kids and i'll just pass on this message that they we stress about so many time trials forget about the time trials do your best runner you probably went through as a player mate i remember a physio um uh anthony shack a physio he's still a physio at richmond I was sitting in his physio room one morning, at Richmond about to run the tan, and he said, "Rainsy, so everyone's so stressed about the, the tan." He said, "Mate, you guys play on twenty two games a year on the on a MC, on the MCG, averaging sixty sixty five thousand, whatever is to average at Richmond, and you're stressed about a four K run." He said, "Mate, if you look at it like that, it's nothing." I always remember, I was like, "Yeah, what do we, you know?" Because you want to do well, and you're testing yourself on lots of stuff. But I, and I see kids do it these days. Just do your best. Yeah. If you've done the work, you'll you, you will do well. If you're not that great at it, well, you can improve. Go see your coaches get better at it. But it's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolute gold. And something that I experienced actually as well, endurance running was my strength. And I used to, maybe it was a bit of ego. I used to take a lot of pride in finishing top two in the 2K time trial. But looking back on it now, I, I really wish that I'd sort of been happy to finish Tenth or twelfth or something, and and have spent more time working on what's actually going to improve my footy, rather than trying to show off—not show off, but rather than trying to prove myself that early in the preseason. I guess it's all good and well to be a, not not a hero. I, I, I don't want to paint it like that, but I think you've got to remember that it's a it long sort of March, season. March champions—you don't want to peak The guys that are
1: flying, the guys that are flying too early, and it's the old saying: March champions. Yeah. Um, You want to be fine in in September, so yeah, it's a good point. And it's
0: an opportunity to set your foundations, not perform. You you know, you want to peak, like you said, during September. So use that off season as a chance to build your foundations. We talk about like the pyramid pyramid analogy, where if you make your base really wide, then the top of your pyramid is going to be higher. Whereas if you don't spend time making the base of your pyramid wide, you're not going to get as high. Absolutely. Beautiful. All right, that um that brings us to the end of the end of the episode, Ramsey. Um, thanks for all your expertise. I think there's there's plenty in there that uh, the, the listeners can take uh, take home and, and start actioning straight away. Um, any any final words, mate, before we wrap up?
1: No, thanks, mate. It's a, a really good topic. I get, I get asked about it a lot, and hopefully we've, we've shared some information there that that helps um, some young footballers, um, some some coaches, and, and even some parents around um, the importance of pre season, why they're so you know sort of integral to the season ahead and um, hopefully you can pick up some little tips there brought back a few memories for me some grueling ones some um some really good ones too so thanks for uh thanks for listening guys
0: thanks for listening to the one-on-one football podcast if you got something out of today's episode we'd love it if you could leave us a review on spotify apple music or wherever you get your podcast if you want to stay updated on special guests new episodes and more please subscribe to the show on your chosen platform and finally, if you have any questions for Randy or myself, or you want to get a particular guest on the show, please reach out. Our email address is podcast at oneononefootball.com.au. Thanks, guys. We'll see you for the next episode.